You're listening to The Deeper Dive Podcast, hosted by Pastor Jamie Collins. Deeper Dive is a ministry of Jamestown Church located in Conway, South Carolina. Each podcast will dig deeper into a recent sermon topic or something from the news or culture that has a Christian worldview component. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Now, here's Pastor Jamie. Hey everybody, it is Pastor Jamie. Welcome again to another Deeper Dive podcast. I want to thank you all for listening today. It is Thursday around 11 o'clock. The sun is shining again. Maybe the secret to this better weather is is podcasting. Uh, I believe last week when we were podcasting, it also was sunny outside, but it looks like in the forecast, we're going to have several sunny days. So praise the Lord for that. And I do praise the Lord for you. And again, your willingness to listen to these podcasts. I hope more and more of you will be doing that, especially as we work our way through this sermon series that we're in. The sermon series is called The Four Pillars of the Church. I've said it over and over again. My my hope and prayer has been as we move closer to uh, the big move from our current campus to the new campus that God would use His Word uh, to kind of recalibrate our hearts and our minds to get us ready for, for a move. And anytime you're doing something big like this, maybe starting a new year or, or something like a, a big move, you want to go back to the fundamentals. And that's really what this, what this series is about. I'm not preaching something that, that I haven't preached before. Uh, in fact, many times through the year, I will go back to the book of Acts, and uh, we'll look at Acts chapter 2 and what the, uh, the New Testament church started doing, and God was blessing it. So time and time again, you do want to hit pause and go back and just look at everything top to bottom, and, and this is a great opportunity and time to do that. So Uh, We're looking at the four pillars of the church. The first thing we looked at was the Great Commission. And again, please keep in mind, I'm not building these or presenting them to you in any specific order. A lot of these things overlap and are actually tied together. Um, But first week we looked at the Great Commission. This past Sunday, we looked at the Word of God. Certainly our church, every church should be built on the foundation of the Word of God. And uh, so we had a good time looking at that Sunday. And what I'd like to do today is a deeper dive into what that looks like and what it means for the church. When I was preparing last week's sermon, you know, I realized this this could be a hundred sermons because when you're talking about the Word of God, you can talk about it in many different contexts. Um, But for our current context, we want to look at it through the lens of the local church. You know, I think it's a popular thing to say, well, we're a Bible-believing church. At my church, we preach the Bible. Um, And while that's easy to say, it's still good to go in and make sure that, that that thought or that hope is actually being put into practice. So our, our jumping off scripture, and, and these are topical messages that are still expository in nature because we, for every, every point, everything we look at, we, we go to the Word. Um, but we started with um, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 
16 and verse 17, there, Paul writes, All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And we looked at that in the, in the sermon. If you missed the sermon, for time's sake, go back and listen to that for a more thorough explanation of what that means. But what it basically means in summary is, man did not write the Bible, God did through man as they were moved by the Holy Spirit of God. So all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if, if the Great Commission says you need to make disciples, then a big part of making disciples will be teaching them the Word. In fact, in the Great Commission, Christ said that, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And in teaching them the Word, a man is thoroughly equipped to do the work of the Great Commission and anything worthwhile uh, by studying and learning and obeying and applying the Word of God. So again, there's an, another example. We could go off in a hundred different directions. When you're talking about being a godly husband, where do we learn to do that? Through the Word. Um, so so we, can, we can do that with, with caring for the poor. We can do that in a hundred different ways. I'm going to try to stay focused on the context of the local church. When we talk about our church being built on the foundation of the Word of God, what does that mean? What does it look like? Well, and again, here's another example of how this kind of overlaps with our first message. All right, the whole mission of the, the, the church comes from the Word of God. You know, when we talk about the Great Commission, where do we get the Great Commission? We get it from the Word of God. When we look at, at a pattern for um, our church in our community, where, where do we go? We go to the Word of God. We go to Acts chapter 2. Uh, when we talk about the ordinances of the, of the church, we go to the Word of God. That's where those instructions are. And uh, so, so, first of all, the mission of the church, the Great Commission, what we're here to do, uh, first of all, to glorify God. We looked at that last week. And one of the ways we glorify God is through the mission of the church, the Great Commission. So that's, that's where we, we get that. that. That's why the Great Commission is such a big part of who we are and what we do. All right, the, the second thing that, that this means practically, okay, is the worship of the church. The worship of the church. Now, this coming Sunday, I'm going to be preaching on the third pillar of the church, which for us, we'll be looking at the worship of the church. All right, so I don't want to, I don't want to give you that sermon now, but I do want you to know that as we think about worship and how we worship, we go to the Word of God. All right, so we, we want our worship to be biblically based. You know, Jesus told the woman at the well, and I will be talking about this Sunday for sure, the Father is seeking those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. So when we think about truth, we think about the Word of God. So our worship doesn't need to be built on the foundation of what do our people like or what is going to conjure up a, a certain emotion in, in the hearts of people in, in attendance. It's not, not about that. It's not about creating a, a chill bump 
or getting the heart beating or racing or anything like like that. We we don't want that to be the foundation of what we do. We want it to be biblically based, which includes when we think about worship, our worship should include the acknowledgement and praise for God as revealed in the scripture. So when we're thinking about our, our worship, we want to worship God for who He is, and we get who He is from the Word of God. He has chosen to reveal Himself to us through His Word. So when we think about our worship, which by the way, and we'll see this on Sunday, is more than just singing or music. That's a part of our worship. But even, even then, we want our music, we want the, the structure of our worship service to be biblically based. And one of the things we focus on is to praise God for who He is. And we know who He is and how He is. We know of His attributes. And again, we talked about the glory of God last, last week. It all, it all bleeds, it all overlaps and bleeds to, together. We get that from Scripture. We are prompted and moved by the Spirit to worship God for His holiness and His loving kindness and, and His mercy and all of these, these things, His wisdom and His power. And we get that from Scripture. All right? And it should also, our worship, should be grounded in the truth of Scripture. In the truth of, of Scripture. We, we want what we sing and what we do in our corporate worship services, we, we want to be able to say, we do this because the Bible tells us to. We don't do this because we're Southern Baptist. We don't do this because we just enjoy it. We, our, our worship includes this component because the Word of God tells us it should. Um, and that, that leads me to the next point. Our worship should include the elements of worship as given in, in Scripture. You know, the Bible actually says we need to um, observe the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper. Um, we need to have public baptism, professions of faith. We do need to minister to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Uh, and again, I'm kind of previewing this 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 coming Sunday's message, we're supposed to read Scripture. Uh, we're supposed to have preaching. Um, all, all of these, these things, th- these aren't just orders of service. Our order of service should come from the Word of God, right? So even, even our worship is, is impacted and influenced by the Word of God, how we worship and, and what's included in our worship, even down to the weekly frequency of our worship. Because we get from the Bible that the New Testament church met on the first day of the week. So that's, that's, what, we, that's what we do. Um, so again, when, when you say, well, I'm, we're a Bible-believing church, you know, put that to the test by looking at your worship service is, is one example. Look at the mission of the, of the church. Are you really a Great Commission church? You know, are you really making disciples? Are you doing the work of evangelism? You know, so I, I think sometimes that the point I'm trying to make is when we use the phrase, well, we're a Bible-believing church. A lot, a lot of churches will say that. Um, but what they mean by that is our preacher preaches from the Word of God. 
And, and look, that's not a given anymore, unfortunately. There are some churches that do not treat the Bible as the foundation of the, of the church in their, in their preaching. Um, you know, practically speaking, um, you, you can't be a Bible-believing church if you're not preaching the whole counsel of God. And uh, there's definitely different philosophies of preaching. Um, there is um, a, a philosophy, uh, and I may be using the, the wrong word there, uh, that focuses on felt needs preaching. And what that means is that the pastor or maybe the staff of a church, they're, they're identifying what they feel like the congregation needs. We're, we're talking specific things. And then they are making a, a sermon, building a sermon on that. So they, they'll try to find a verse or two here or there that speaks to that felt need, right? And, and, and I do believe biblical preaching meets felt needs, of course. But that's one way of, of doing it. And unfortunately, in my opinion, when it's done that, that way, um, the individual takes center stage, instead of God and His Word. So my, my philosophy of, of preaching is to preach the Word of God, to, to take a text, and, and most of the time here at our church, we are working our way through a book of the Bible, and, um, and I'll, I'll preach through passages within that, that book of the Bible, um, and we want to explain and exegete the text. Basically, all that means is we want to understand accurately what that text is really saying, all right? There can only be one proper and right interpretation of a text, and, and then we want to preach that honestly, uh, and, and, and by honestly, I mean we want to say accurately what God is trying to say to us through His Word, and, and then we want to apply those truths to our life. You see, so we, we begin with God and His Word, and then we try to make practical application from that, and then ultimately, I'm relying on the Holy Spirit of God to take the Word of God, as Scripture says He will, and then He, the discerner of all of man's thoughts and feelings, will, will take the Word as, as preached and written, and then He will meet the felt needs of the congregation. See, that, that's something I can't realistically do. Uh, before COVID, we've got 200 people or more in, in worship. There's no way for one sermon, one man, uh, to meet all the felt needs in that congregation. All right, so what I want to do as part of our worship here is to preach the Word of God and then make that application and watch the Holy Spirit work and, and use it to, to change lives. But, but again... I had, had not even planned on sharing all, all that, and I hope that makes sense. Um, there'll probably be another podcast about that in the, in the near future. But the important thing is to say, well, we are a, we believe the, the Word of God, so our preacher preaches the Word of God. And that is a part of it. That's the point I was just trying to make. But that's not it. If you're going to be a Bible-believing church, then your worship will demonstrate that. If you're a Bible-believing church, then your evangelistic focus will demonstrate that. Your partnership in missions, your work in missions will, 
will demonstrate that. So if you say we're a Bible-believing church, our church is built on the foundation of the Word, well, that don't just mean you preach biblically-based, scripturally accurate sermons. Certainly that's a big part of it. But if that's all you're doing, that's just one facet. It's just one, one part of it. And there was one more part that I, I mentioned Sunday, and I'll, I'll mention here at the latter part of our podcast, to be biblically based, all right, to have the Word of God as a pillar, a foundation of the church, you're going to be structured the way the Bible says. Now, now this, this too is, is interesting because I know some churches that will say, you know, we're a Bible-believing church, but then when you look at their structure, it does not line up with Scripture. For example, I know of some churches where the deacons, and I'm not picking on the deacons because we've got great deacons, and the way our deacons uh, operate here is, is, is really good currently, at the very least. There are some churches where the deacons serve as a governing board, kind of an overseeing board. And um, they, they make key decisions, and um, they're stru- structured to kind of oversee, you know, every part of the, of the church, like a board of directors. Um, I've heard of churches where, where the deacons fired staff, even fired the, the pastor. Um, now, I, I'm not speaking to any specific situation that I know of. I just know of those situations you know, in, in, in our state, in our, in our country. All right, and here's the, the fact, okay? And, and this, this really isn't up for debate. I'm just going to give you scripture here. That is not being, using the office of deacon biblically. Now, some may say, well, our Constitution allows them to do that. Well, then how can you say that, that your church is built on the foundation of the Word of God if your constitution doesn't line up with the Word of God or your bylaws don't line up with the Word of God, and just, just like if your worship didn't. Wouldn't it be something to say our worship is, uh, our, our, our church is built on the Word of God, then you go to a worship service and they're singing rock music or something, you know, something that doesn't glorify God. It glorifies man or glorifies the, the, the flesh. Well, you can say you're a Bible church all day long, um, but you have to demonstrate that, in, in what you do, actually, and in how you're, you're structured. And again, I'm just using the, the deacon one for, for an, an example. A biblically-based church will be structured the way the Bible says it should be. And when you think about that, you think about, first of all, Christ is the head. He's the head of the, of the church. So His Word rules and reigns. Okay? And then, according to Scripture... Um, every church is to have a elder, okay? Now, when I use the word elder, that includes the office of a pastor. You can say of a, of a bishop, whatever name you want to. The, the, the title is overseer, okay? And by overseer, and, and in the New Testament church, they would have an elder or elders. It may be multiple people who were given the responsibility to speak spiritually lead slash oversee the, the church, not rule as a dictator. The pastor's not the CEO. Um, he's not the boss. He is to be the spiritual leader of the, of the church. And as you 
add gifted men ordained and selected by the church to lead in areas of ministry, in, in a sense, they become elders of, of those specific ministries. You know, we, we're blessed to have a, a full-time student pastor. Well, he's kind of the overseer of the student ministry. And I'm, I'm the pastor. I'm the overseer of all the ministries of the, of the church. It is my job to lead our church to fulfill the Great Commission and, and to truly worship God in spirit and in, and in truth. That, that's my role, and it's my responsibility. And the Bible says one day I'll stand and give an account for how I led this church or any church to do the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ, to faithfully preach the Word of God, to shepherd and care for the flock. That's the role of, of the elder or elders in the church. The church would struggle if we had other individuals trying to take over the, the student pastor job or to take over the, the pastor job, whether it be a committee or a, a group of individuals. And I think we've all been around church long enough to know that sometimes that happens. And when that happens, and I said this Sunday, it's just, just like a family. When the father's not leading the home, it creates confusion and it creates problems. When the mother in the home, the wife in the home's not doing what she's supposed to do, it creates problems. When the children aren't obeying the parents, it creates problems. When you get out of the God-ordained order, things go south in a hurry, and the same thing can happen in a, in a church. All right, so you have the office of, of elder and pastor, and then you have the office of deacon. This is another um, biblically given um, office within the, the church, all right? So the deacons were selected, and we all know this, to be servants of the church. In Acts chapter 6, the first deacons were selected, if you remember, um, to aid in the daily distribution of food so the, so the preachers, the apostles, were, would, would be allowed to focus on leading spiritually. So they selected men of good reputation, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and um, they, they kind of nominated them, and, and the Bible actually says that it pleased the, the people. Does that mean there was an official vote? I, I, don't, I don't know exactly, but I know that the majority said, we like this idea, and we like these guys you've selected to lead us in, in the serving ministry, and, and that's what they, they did. And um, the, the qualifications for a deacon spiritually are very similar to the qualifications of a, of a pastor. That doesn't mean their, their duties and their roles and responsibilities are the same. It's different. The spiritual qualification is the same. But here's something that, that's missed a lot of times. What's expected of a pastor, an elder, or a deacon, those spiritual qualifications, that's actually the expectation of all followers of Christ. The difference is you can't serve as a pastor or a deacon if you're not meeting those qualifications. It's not that their level of holiness is greater or, or should be greater than anybody else. We're all called to do those things. But if you're not doing those things, then according to God's word, you can't serve in those capacities. Now, are those the only two things that have to be done in, in a church? No. Um, and, and Paul makes it very clear, the Bible makes it very clear that all believers are filled with the Holy Spirit of God and are given a spiritual gift 
that they in turn are to use to build up, edify the body of Christ. Uh, the Bible talks about teachers, all right? And teachers are to faithfully teach the Word of God, and they too are held to a, to a high standard. Um, basically, taking what the Bible says, it's pretty clear. If you're going to be a leader in the church, again, you're not expected um, or you're not given a separate list of things that you have to do um, in terms of holiness. We're all given the same standard. But, but we are held, we are bound to a higher standard if you want to lead in the church. But, but that's kind of the, the order. So, so when, when people say we're a Bible-believing church, but in reality, um, so-and-so committee makes all the decisions in the, in the church, that's, that's not biblically sound. And it doesn't really matter what your constitution and bylaws says. Um, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, that too needs to be changed. Now, if most of the people listening to this are probably um, attending Jamestown Baptist Church, and we're grateful for you, and I've got good news to report to you, that our Constitution and bylaws structurally um, line up with the Word of God. Now, there are some parts of a modern-day Constitution and bylaws that, that says, well, we, we follow Robert's rules of, of order for business meetings, or we have to vote on this, we have to vote on, on that. While the Bible doesn't talk about church voting, it certainly doesn't say anything to forbid church voting. And, and here's how I think church works biblically, all right? Everybody serves the interest of another, you know, I, I told you, a pastor is not the, the dictator of the church. He's the spiritual leader of the, of the church. And I can't lead if you don't follow. So it, it takes humbleness on both our parts to do it the right way. The Bible actually says we are to submit to one another as, as we do this, do this thing. Now, somebody has to lead, and, uh, but there also needs to be a level of accountability, and, and I think this is very important. That, that's why we have a church budget. We have a church budget, and the Bible says in the, in the qualifications of a pastor, they should not be greedy for money or to use the ministry to get rich, basically, is what it's saying. So I love how our church is structured. Most churches are structured this way. The pastor doesn't need to handle all the finances. So we have a finance committee. I can't write a check. If I use the church credit card or spend money at Lifeway or something like that, I have to turn in a receipt, and I have to say, here's what this money was, was spent for. Um, and so that's a level of accountability that, that's needed. That keeps everything on the up and up. That does not take any authority away from anybody. That's submitting to one another. That's living above reproach. And one of the things our finance committee does is they handle the... Um, the, the monitoring of, of the spending, they, they make sure it's all accounted for, and they present it to you. See, the finance committee at our church, they don't really have any authority except what is given to them by the congregation. So the congregation selects people, for example, to be on the finance committee. The finance committee presents to them a budget for the upcoming church year. The congregation votes to approve that, and then me as the pastor or Colin as the student pastor, Matt as the music minister or the chairman of building and grounds, whoever, we all operate within the bounds of that budget because that's the that's God's money given by the congregation and they voted to spend it this way 
And so we follow that. I don't have the ability to bring on a new staff person without first going through the personnel committee who works in conjunction with the finance committee who doesn't approve it, but they'll work with them to structure a salary that we feel like our church can afford. But ultimately, the congregation votes on those people, positions, and salary packages. And, and if, if you really think about it, it's almost like a dance, but it's, it's everybody working together. And when everybody does their God-given responsibility within the bounds of their church-given responsibilities, because there, there are some things the Bible says you need to do that, but in the modern culture, we have to structure it a certain way where the Bible doesn't give us a, a structure, so we have the Constitution and bylaws that kind of provides that, that structure based on biblical principles. As long as everybody's doing what we've all agreed to do and nobody oversteps, nobody gets in this person's lane or this person's lane, and I'm able to spiritually lead and preach and shepherd and guide, and uh, the other committees are watching the finances and making sure everything's accounted for, and um, the building and grounds, they're doing what they're supposed to do, and the personnel committee, they're doing what they're supposed to do, the nominating committee is doing what they're supposed to do, and uh, we all come together and and we work in harmony. See, the devil can take an organization that's structured that way and really cause a lot of mess and confusion by getting people doing what they're not supposed to do. And let me add another thing. The Bible makes it clear that if you're leading in the church, and again, some of the positions of leadership we have now within our modern-day churches are not mentioned specifically in, in Scripture, but every leadership position mentioned in Scripture carries with it the idea that that person's held to a high standard. And not only does... Does church get off the rails when you don't operate according to the Word of God? Part of that involves more than than structural. But if you get somebody that's not spiritually mature in a position of leadership, it causes causes a problem. And, um, you know, one one thing I want us to do, and, and COVID really derailed this. We wanted to start it already. But I want us to start having leadership meetings every other month. Every other month, if you're in a position of leadership, then we're going to get together on a Sunday afternoon, and we're going to pray, and we're going to say, here's what's working, here's what God's doing in our church. We're going to celebrate that. And then we're going to talk about our mission as a church, as given by the Bible. We're going to make sure we stay on mission We're going to make sure there's harmony and unity. We're going to hold each other accountable, and we're going to pray because I think that's what the Bible uh, leads us to do, to to stay on on the same page. And and that page is the Word of God. I know this is a lot of rambling, but these are things we can't really dive deeper into uh, in in a Sunday morning sermon, but it needs to be said. Um, That's just how the Bible um, tells us we need to operate. At the end of the day, um, it doesn't really matter if, well, the church voted or the bylaw says this or so-and-so, so-and-so. If, if the vote, if the bylaw, if the Constitution, if all of that doesn't line up with the Bible, guess what needs to change? What needs to change is, is the, your, your structure. And, and again, before I became the pastor, I'll, I'll close with this. 
before I became the pastor here, and I mentioned in the Sunday morning sermon at, at 11 o'clock, kind of the process of me coming, I had not planned to do that. But I shared that I, I didn't want to just meet with the, with the search committee, the pastoral search committee. I wanted to meet with the personnel. I wanted to meet with the deacons, and, um, and, and we did that. And, and I laid out a vision, my, my vision for this church and what I felt like the Bible had to say about church and what I, what I plan to do and how I plan to lead and um, all that other, other stuff. But one other thing I did is I talked to the, uh, one of the, the committee members, I guess it was the chairperson of the search committee, and I said, I need to, I need to read your constitution and bylaws. I want to see it before I agree to come because it really doesn't matter what the committee tells you. What, what matters once you're hired is what that Constitution and bylaws says because you're going to be expected to pastor within the bounds of that document. And, um, and again, I, I'm not sure, sure exactly who had a, had a role or a part in putting together Constitution and bylaws here. And there's some things that have changed down through the years as the ministries of the church have changed. And every so often you may have something in the Constitution and bylaws that doesn't apply to what you're doing. So I'm not, I'm not saying that's not possible. It's not an infallible, inerrant document like the Word of God. But when I read that, what I saw in the Constitution and bylaws was a church committed to the biblical structure for doing church. It lines up. I see, past, I see both pastoral authority and accountability. I, I see a spirit of cooperation. I see where the congregation um, has a say in, in the budget and in spending money. And really, if I were to say, in my opinion, an ideal form of church structure and governance, and I, I really feel like we have that here, is, is this. Elder-led, congregation-governed. What, what does that mean? It means that the, the church governs and holds accountable um, finances and, and church staff and all of those, those things. But once that, that church says, all right, here's who we feel like God wants to lead our church spiritually, well, then once that person's there and in, in place, they let him do what God's called him to do, and they, and they support. And so long as that preacher is preaching the Word of God, they let him preach. And so long as that preacher's trying to lead them to fulfill the Great Commission, they let him lead. And, and, and I'm using the, the pastor. Same thing for a Sunday school teacher, the office of deacon, or a student pastor, or a worship pastor. Um, so it's elder-led. We, we let the people we feel like God's called to lead us, we let them lead. And then we, we vote on new staff. We vote on salaries. We, we vote on hiring and firing. We, we vote on, on issues of, of finances and, and, other, and other things. So, it's, it, 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 again, it's a, it's a give and take. It's a submitting to one another. I think that lines up biblically. Uh, with the structure that we find in the Word of God. I know I've rambled, I've gone too long, um, but I hope you've gotten something out of this. Uh, I'm excited about this upcoming Sunday message. We, we're looking at worship, and where do we get 
how we are to worship. We get it from the Word of God, and certainly as we worship, we want to use that to fulfill the Great Commission um, of seeing the lost saved and the saved discipled. So again, it all overlaps, and I hope you'll be here uh, Sunday, either in person or watching us online. Thanks so much for listening to the Deeper Dive Podcast. Please subscribe, review, and be watching for the next episode. For further information or to reach Pastor Jamie, go to www.jamestownbaptist.com. You can also follow Pastor Jamie on Twitter at PastorJames3. Until next time, our hope for you comes from 2 Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.